Hello and welcome to this episode of Irreligiosophy, the one true podcast, and the only podcast to have been offended by its own penis, and so we cut it off. Off. We cast it out. No. I I put it in the bird's nest. I'm oh, saving it. <laughs> With all the other penises. <laughs> I like to switch them around sometimes, you know? Try a different one out every now and then. Uh, let's get right into skunk dicks. We've got a lot this week. Yes. Would you like to start? I'd like to start. Um, you know how terrorists are always stupid? No. No. It's it's true. Uh, a study confirmed it. <laughs> I think. <laughs> uh, in Nigeria, the terrorist group Boko Haram, they're actually a network, Chuck. They're so, they're so awesome. They have networked their terrorism. They want to install Sharia law or strict Islamic law, as they say it, in Nigeria. It sounds reasonable. So they went and attacked a mosque and killed a bunch of people, 44 people. That's a mosque with other um, Muslims in it. And yes, but they were probably slightly different Muslims. Their great crime was that the, what do you call the the imam, the person who uh, speaks for the mosque? Yeah, their chief priest. I think he just preached against religious extremism. <laughs> hey, let's not go crazy. We'll show you. Um, also, the name of their network is, as I've said, is Boko Haram, and that means Western education is forbidden. <laughs> that lamest terrorist network name ever. <laughs> I named them Dick. They're now whatever the Muslim term is for skunk dick. Yes. What do you got? Uh, my One of my favorites is the uh, <laughs> mother of a of a child she named Messiah, was ordered to change the baby's name after the Christian judge rules it a conflict with her belief. <laughs> he didn't... Wait, well, what about all, like, the kids named Jesus? Or Jesus? <laughs> well, that's that's a name. It's not a specific title, you see. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, Messiah is an earned title in the Judeo-Christian tradition. Uh, she said... So, what happened was the family came and they're having a, a fight about which last name the kid should have. The fathers or the mothers, they're in a strange couple. And so she noticed his name was Messiah. And so she not only ordered the last name to be changed, but she also, free of charge, ordered the first name to be changed. Oh, that's how, how nice. If, was it a girl or a guy judge? Uh, it was a, a woman judge. Nice of her. The first name was changed because Messiah is a title. And it's a title that has only been earned by one person. And that one person is Jesus Christ. That's Judge Baloo. Oh, so Judge Baloo from the from the Jungle Book. Um, <laughs> so you can name your kid Jesus or Moses or any name. You just cannot name him. If they named him King or Prince, would she also uh, force them to change that? Maybe Prince of Peace. <laughs> Prince of Peace. But this, um, this judge is an idiot. Yeah. Messiah has been earned by many people. Cyrus being one, Isaiah 45, verse 1. I'll just read that to you, Matt. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, and in Hebrew that's Mashiach. To Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. There you go. So the Lord himself says that his Messiah is Cyrus. (laughs) So I'm sure the family said that's entirely reasonable. What were you thinking? (laughs) (laughs) She's pissed off. She wanted to name him Messiah, and it uh, seems like a reasonable name to me. I call my penis Messiah. It's it's quite common. She wanted to name him Messiah Martin, I think was his name. But uh, not only is Cyrus a uh, Messiah, but uh, Jewish priests were named Messiahs. Leviticus 4, 3. Prophets, Isaiah 61, 1. The Jewish temple and its uh, utensils, Exodus 40, verses 9 through 11. Unleavened bread, number 615. What? Unleavened yeah. bread is Messiah? <laughs> so, yeah, anything. All it means is anointed, right? Um, Jewish kings were named Messiah. I think uh, David and Solomon, I think it was part of their um, coronation process. They would be named Messiah. They were anointed with oil and I think they they uh, said that uh, it was you know they were adopted by God you know today I have uh, begotten you, so um, the the judge is not only factually mistaken but she is indeed a skunk dick. Oh my God! Yeah, I Did mean, if know... fucking unleavened bread can be Messiah, you can fucking name your kid Messiah. 
Right. I wanted to start check down all the other babies named Messiah. Messiah was, in the U.S. anyway, the number 387 for the year 2012 in popularity for babies' names. <laughs> and it's been going up <laughs> since uh, 2011. Well, I should have named both my children Messiah. That's right. Missed opportunity. What else you got? I got, hey, the Creation Museum. Always, it's pretty much always a skunk dick. But now they want to tell you about, uh, were dinosaurs dragons? The answer is yes. Moving on. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yes. Spoiler alert. Here's what they say. Why are there so many dragon legends from cultures around the globe? Why do descriptions of these magnificent animals often sound similar to what we call dinosaurs? Chuck, when I learned about dinosaurs in school, they said, this is the Brontosaurus. It spews fire and flies through the air. Right. Like to sleep on gold. <laughs> Tyrannosaurus rex, also known as the sapphire dragon. Right. Spits acid. <laughs> oh, my God. How could our ancestors carve, paint, or write about these creatures if they have truly been extinct for millions of years? Check, mate, millions of years. Oh, I they used that phrase. Know. Possibly they came upon bleached bones of big uh, lizard-appearing animals. Uh, you know, it, it, the explanation totally escapes me. Yeah. Or possibly they just made this shit up. Like, Here's... say, unicorns or <laughs> sphinx. How could no. there possibly be a sphinx? I've seen one. I've... <laughs> How could Those they carve a statue of a sphinx if it wasn't real? It's in the Bible. Or no, unicorns are. Are sphinxes in the Bible? I don't uh, know. I doubt it. I don't read that thing. Fucking here's, Bible. Here's my favorite sentence. So, evolutionist. You're, that's you. You're one of those. Oh, you evolution. talking directly to me. Evolutionists struggle to explain the intriguing evidence that people lived at the same time as dinosaurs. <laughs> Just as we struggle to explain the intriguing evidence that we lived at the same time as chupacabras. This, oh, don't bring up chupacabras. <laughs> They stole my baby. Um, there's no fucking evidence. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not only I is there evidence, man, with it. it's intriguing evidence. Oh, that's right. Oh, damn. How do I explain away this? And it's so intriguing. I'm... <laughs> this round goes to you, Ken Ham. Uh, anyway, find out at the Creation Museum's new Dragon Legends exhibit and zipline. I can... <laughs> That's <laughs> true. They got a zip line. Uh, the tagline is, uh, and I also believe this also goes for Las Vegas um, magic shows, <laughs> prepare to believe. Because uh, zip line says Jesus. There's nothing <laughs> that really convinces me about Jesus more than zipping along <laughs> zip line. What would Jesus do? He would zip line. Harness himself up and zip down the fucking line. That's what Jesus yeah. would do. Well, are there more? Who's the winner? Uh, I'm going to go with the Muslims who attack a mosque in, uh, for preaching against religious extremism. How ironic. <laughs> ironic. Um, that's, that's intriguing. I, I'm having trouble explaining that away, but I think I'm going to go with the Messiah. The boy, a boy named Messiah, which is a new <laughs> song by the late Johnny Cash. Um, who's dead though? Well, Who's Matt, the skunk dick? We're yep. both wrong. Un- unprecedented. <laughs> I've never been wrong. The actual skunk dick is an Arizona family who, fed up with abortion, homosexuality, taxes, and the, quote, state-controlled church. What the fuck that means? What? <laughs> decided to take a leap of faith to see where God led us. So, this family, which included two small children, abandoned the United States and set sail for the island nation of Kerbati in May. They ended up lost in the Pacific Ocean for 91 days. <laughs> that's where you go. That's where God led us. I'm, getting, I'm going to Kerbati. Fuck you guys. During the voyage, their boat was damaged by squall after squall after squall. <laughs> what do you think God was telling you then? <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh... Don't go to Kiribati. Everything is just like I want it to be. A Canadian cargo ship spotted them and offered them some supplies, but the large ship bumped into the small boat, resulting in even more damage. <laughs> did How many of these signs did they take to come from God? Oh, good Lord. So uh, they were finally rescued by a Venezuelan fishing vessel. The captain said, do you know where you're at? You're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking morons. This is where God has led you. In the middle of the fucking Pacific Ocean. 
Do you have children with you? Holy shit! You've brought children there. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, they ended up, after being transferred to a Japanese cargo ship, family ended up in Chile, where the U.S. Embassy officials arranged for them to be flown home at what? Taxpayer Sorry. expense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking douchebags. You think they'll pay that back when they get sent a bill? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They should get sent a bill. Absolutely. Hey, you know how like, you don't like paying taxes? Well, that covered your expenses. So, so we're yeah. going to force you to become gay and mm-hmm. get an abortion. So, Matt, mm-hmm. the Gaston Goy family yes. says, we're, we're all happy. We have good peace of mind now. And uh, they said they're going to go back to Arizona and, quote, come up with a new plan. Good luck. Uh, why not? Where? What's the plan? I wonder. <laughs> Their first plan, the plan was so good. Let's just fucking sail off into the Pacific and let God lead us. So now that didn't work out. So they're going to come up with a new plan. Oh my God! She gave birth to the couple's eight-month-old girl on the boat. Oh, it was docked in a slip at the time. I thought it was out at sea. That would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have been awesome. We had another. We were cruising. She said. Oh yeah. Yeah, like that Al Pacino movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shall we go to iTunes reviews? Let's do iTunes. Fortunately, there are no Matt positive reviews this time, so I'm going to go ahead and read some of these. They were just doing that to mess with your head. Probably my favorite, Matt, is a good five-star review by Riccaroni. And uh, that's the whole review. Good. Oh, that's the review is good? It's the title... And the review. Oh, good. Good. Dot, dot, dot. Intro music is stupid. A five-star review by Magic Matman 2000. Oh, that's almost like something about me. (laughs) That, I suppose, could be considered a positive review. Not Ungood, a five-star review by Atheist. I subscribed many years ago to the original but forgot about it after a computer crash. That's how good we are, Matt. Your computer crashes and instantly you've forgotten about the podcast. Right. That's how good I am. I cause computers to crash. The new version takes topics one at a time in depth. Additionally, the Skunk Phallus segment covers news of dipsticks and religious and psychic charlatans. The comedy flows like rusty nails and broken glass in an oatmeal slurry after a flood following a fire in a flour mill. And that's what I need. The chiropractor and the co-host on the ham radio handle the intellectual difficulty of the subjects with only moderate to little trouble. Uh, I... I, I are you, you're apparently the chiropractor. I'm going to take I, the co-host on the ham radio. Cool. I'm a chiropractor. Chiropractor. Oh, it's a chiropractor. A chiropractor. You, you read it wrong. Um, <laughs> that's an ancient Roman title. <laughs> <laughs> it means they, it's the person who carries the ship bucket around the Senate floor. Ah, a chiropractor. Like a honey dipper. Staying Alive, five-star review by Judo Pubby. This is a great podcast, and I enjoy the humor as well as breakdown of religious myths like Christianity and all of its offshoot system. Glad Chuck decided to bring it back. Stay gold, pony boy. Now that's you. That's gotta be. What, is that a reference to uh, the Outsiders? I think so. You're Ralph Macchio. (laughs) And I am Liam Neeson. What the? <laughs> he wasn't. He he wasn't in that. I just, I just saw Taken Two. So, uh, you saved my sanity. Five star review. Central Kentucky atheist living in a fundamentalist Christian wasteland. Finding your side has truly saved my sanity. He may as well be describing fucking Utah. Fundamentalist yeah. Christian wasteland. It's great to hear your wonderfully irreverent and hilarious commentary on religion on our times. I have been running through your podcast in chronological order so I don't miss a thing and get a daily fix of sanity to get me through my day. Mm-hmm. He's going to be surprised in about another 100 episodes, I guess. <laughs> he's going to love it. That's or he's true. going to not get insanity anymore. Don't spoil the ending of the podcast for Central oh. Kentucky Atheist. Anymore? Love the reboot. Five-star review. I was addicted to this podcast from the first time I heard it and hated when it ended. So glad Chuck pulled it together and got a co-host that actually contributes something other than comments regarding the size of his penis. Well, uh, I don't believe we've measured the size of Matt's penis yet. So It is beyond measurement. <laughs> it is unmeasurable. 
I will tell you this, though. It is longer than a penis that is less than zero in length. <laughs> but it is not as long as 10 to the 50. And you do have fans in Indiana. This Hoosier, who, by the way, supports marriage equality wholeheartedly and agrees that the majority of the legislatures in our state are skunk dicks. Recommends this podcast to anyone who, like me, is stuck living in the atheist hell of the Midwest. You'll get ammunition for fighting the fundies' arguments, and you'll get more than just a few laughs, many at the expense of those fundies. Atheist hell. Yeah. That's the Midwest. <laughs> Pretty much sums up the entire Midwest. Uh, you know what we call that in the airline business? Flyover country. You just... Just, just one... Anyway, that's a pilot joke, so moving on. Featureless expanse. Or is it because you prefer to fly over it instead of actually visit? Exactly. You gotcha. just go over If there was another pilot here, oh man, we'd be laughing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continuing on with Matthew, perhaps the greatest gospel ever told. Definitely. I believe when we ended... Uh, Let's see, we were talking about some stupid yeast story about Jesus. Oh, that's right, the yeast. The yeast came alive. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees. Uh, let's see, I think we get Peter telling Jesus he's the Messiah next. Jesus, of course, foretells his death. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. You'd think that then, when he actually was killed, the disciples wouldn't be despondent. Right, they'd be happy. Oh, yeah, he told us about this about eight fucking times. <laughs> I'm Let's not surprised for the third at all. Day. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 17, we get the transfiguration again, and it, it occurs uh, all alone on top of a mountain. Uh, so, you know, no one saw it. In Matthew 18, verse 8, we get this from Jesus. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. Whoa. It is better for you to enter life maimed or lame than to have two hands or two feet and to be thrown into the eternal fire. Well, that that makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, that sounds good. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to enter life with one eye than have two eyes and be thrown into the hell of fire. But, you know, doesn't God not allow cripples in his presence? Oh, he doesn't. There's no wheelchair ramps in heaven? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, like, in fucking Deuteronomy or Leviticus... No one who uh, is maimed or crippled can enter the temple in the presence of God. Why? Because he's a dick. He's a dick. You know, Chuck, this is um, medically relevant, too. Do you want to know how? How so? You remember Little House on the Prairie? I know you watched it all the time. I have fond memories of Little House There is the a fantastic episode where the mother, I can't remember her name, but like everybody leaves for the weekend because they're going off somewhere. And she's alone and she like scratches her arm and gets an infection and starts going nuts. And all she all she does is sit around the house and quote this Bible verse. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. And she almost cuts her arm off. Oh, it was, my God. It would have been awesome. That would have been so cool in 19, late 1970s, was it? Early 80s? Oh, to have like the mother on a Christian. It's like on um, Saved, Saved by an Angel. Wait, what? was that show called touched by an angel <laughs> touched by an angel oh yeah if somebody had to cut off their foot that would have been great that would have been fantastic to watch on television it's you know your christian family's gathered around see so you're sawing off her fucking forearm <laughs> that i would that was a little disturbing uh, <laughs> <laughs> i was 12 <laughs> what is she doing what is she, what's what's happening mama why, why can't she just pray uh, this verse matches uh, chapter 19, verse 12, where Jesus says, For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Holy shit, what the fuck is going on? Uh, and you think, well, uh, probably just talking metaphorically there, um, you metaphorically cut off your balls. But uh, oh, okay. Eusebius reports that the early church father origin took this verse literally and castrated himself. Oh my god, how do you do that? Is that is that where you tie it off? Yeah, is that the way to do it? Yeah, they uh you get a little tie that thing off so that you don't die of uh blood loss and uh just saw away. Oh, I just don't see any way out of this that's not absolutely horrifying. <laughs> well, you don't love Jesus enough then. Oh, that's right. <laughs> For he says those who love their testicles more than me cannot be accepted into the kingdom of heaven. Oh, son of a bitch. Well, we know where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> also, in 19, verse 9, we have Jesus' teachings about divorce. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for unchastity and marries another commits adultery. So unchastity is the only exception. Not abuse, not rape, nothing. Why, uh, why unchastity? Just so she cheats on him, and that's the only 
that's this is for the man. He's talking to the man, right? He's right. Not yeah, there's no for women. There's no right. So that so it doesn't matter about a rape or abuser because the guy can do anything he wants. But if she cheats on him, that's okay. It's a good reason. Yeah, there's nothing about you know why the you know how or why the wife. I don't even know if the wife has the right to divorce her husband. I'm going with no. In Matthew 20, Jesus tells his disciples a third time. This is the third time he said this. See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes. They will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised. And yet still, they're fucking surprised when that happens. He told them again. Three times. Three times. One for each day he was dead. (laughs) And as many as eight, possibly. (laughs) Matthew 21 gives us Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which, uh, by the way, if it really happened, uh, the Romans would have just taken him and crucified him right then. (laughs) Right? Is this this where he went in on the ass? Yes, this is is one of my favorites, because Matthew's literalism gets him in trouble again here. Oh, shit, I jumped ahead. I'm sorry. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them. (laughs) (laughs) And he will send them immediately. Hey, that's that's my donkey. Uh, It's okay. The Lord needs them. I'm going to say that the next time I steal a car. The Lord needs this. The Lord needs this car. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. How? What? Like, one's on top of the other? And Jesus on the top? Obviously, this is a case of Hebrew parallelism, where they're just poetically repeating it, right? So, as to give it more emphasis... But the verse continues. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. (laughs) So Jesus apparently sat on both a donkey and a colt and rode them into Jerusalem. Now, isn't this, this is a case for him copying from Mark, isn't it? And and Matthew being an idiot and uh, just finding two phrases, and he's like, well, he must, they must both be included, I guess. (laughs) Let me check the um, actual citation. That's what I. That's what I saw in Matthew. Sometimes was the. Uh, you can tell he's just copying sometimes because he's he's just literal about what what he writes down. They mention a donkey and they mention a colt. I guess he's riding both of them. Yeah, it's from Zechariah nine nine. Oh, it's from Zechariah. Yeah. So if you look at the. Um New Revised Standard Version of Zechariah 9.9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall command peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. Nice. So yeah, he's taking a passage from Zechariah 9.9 and uh, ripping it out of its context, putting it into Jesus as a prophecy for Jesus. And then he doesn't even get that right because he doesn't re- he doesn't realize that it's just Hebrew parallelism. So he puts Jesus on, they put a cloak over both the donkey and the colt, and Jesus fucking rides both of them in. It's awesome. Nice. Uh, according to uh, Christian apologetics, that is no contradiction, Chuck. Matthew tells us there's both a donkey and a colt. Mark and Luke focus on the colt only and mention that no one had ever sat upon it. Mark and Luke focused on the steel toe, and Matthew focuses on the prophetic fulfillment. So, <laughs> so again, it's just an, an added detail only in Matthew. Here's the logic. If there are two animals, then there is also at least one animal. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, apologies. To say there is one does not mean there weren't two. <sighs> oh, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> So, uh, Jesus overturns the tables of the money changers, heals some blind and and lame people, leaves and returns in the morning, and then, of course, gets mad at at the fig tree, right, for not bearing fruit. Oh, that's right. Fuck you, fig tree. May no fruit ever come from you again. (laughs) And the fig tree withered at once. Damn. And the disciples, when they saw it, were amazed, saying, how did the fig tree wither at once? Jesus answered to them, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only will you do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be lifted and thrown into the sea, it will be done. Don't tell them that. (laughs) 
whatever you ask for in prayer with faith, you will receive. So, uh, apparently, no one has any fucking faith at all, because that's never been done. Right. But can you imagine if they did? They'd, uh, they'd be walking around just messing with it. You, look at this tree. Hey, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the biggest lie Jesus ever told. <laughs> right. Be lifted. He could say to a mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea. And that's what happened to... Um, no Mount one ever at any time. <laughs> no one ever. Chapter 23 is pretty much Jesus calling the scribes and Pharisees a bunch of names. So we'll skip that one. Oh, but that's like my favorite thing about him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ye vipers and hypocrites. Uh, chapter 24 is where Matthew places his little apocalypse. Remember that happened in uh, Mark, it was like 13 or something. Jesus foretells the destruction of the temple, of course. As Jesus came out of the temple and was going away, his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. Then he asked them, You see all these, do you not? <laughs> you fucking blind assholes. Uh, Truly I tell you, not one stone will be left here upon another. They will all be thrown down. Uh, in verses 5 through 8, we have Jesus telling us the signs of the end times. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah. I am Spartacus. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All this is but the beginning of the earth birth pangs. So, if you the can... Earth, earth pangs? <laughs> if you can give me one period of time where there were no wars and rumors of wars, uh, nation, you know, is not rose against nation, kingdom against kingdom, no famines or earthquakes in various places... <laughs> Oh, my God. Pretty fucking generic prophecy, Jesus. Chuck, I'm, something's coming on here. I'm feeling a prophecy. In in the next five years, I declare that a nation will take issue with another nation, and probably something will be exchanged, like gunfire or perhaps cookies. There will be a famine and an earthquake sometime. In the future. Also, a <laughs> volcano shall happen. Notice how uh, in Mark... It was right at the gates, right at the door, right? In uh, Matthew, it's just the beginning of the birth pangs. So when you see this stuff, the end is not yet, but it's the beginning of the birth pangs. So uh, they're acutely aware that um, this has been delayed from Jesus. If he ever walked the earth, he died around 30. Uh, So now we're 55 years past it. So you got to kind of provide an explanation for why this shit hasn't happened yet. (laughs) <laughs> right. In verse 34, Jesus lets us know exactly when this will happen. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Um, did you ever listen to that episode? Uh, we didn't put it on the podcast list, but uh, we put it on the site where Shirley Phelps Roper, we were talking to her. Oh, yeah. From um, the Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah. She's absolutely batshit crazy. She, <laughs> she Her idea, because I brought that up. Did you not get sued, by the way? Did you get out of that without being sued? I got out without being sued. Wow. Surely the Lord is with you. (laughs) I should not mention that, as it will probably now happen. (laughs) uh, Her her explanation for that, Matt, was that Jesus was, when he said this generation, he meant us. Oh, I did not know that. What am I supposed to be doing? And when I talk to people, right, and when I say... Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away. Obviously, I mean people 2,000 years from now. Obviously. It's so fucking clear. I want to say that in Matthew 24, verse 15, there's a better name for the Boko Haram terrorist network. Oh, yeah? So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, that should be their name. That is an awesome name. The abomination that causes desolation? Yes, let them be named so. I think that should be the name of our rock band. Oh, that would be awesome. In verse 36, Jesus says a strange thing. He says, But about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. What? Oh. So wait a second. Jesus doesn't know, but he does. But he doesn't. But he does. Well, not when he's a man. <laughs> <laughs> so he's hidden this from himself while he's a man. Yes. Well, he's incarnated, but when he dies, he'll remember it. It's re- yeah, it's simple. You got it. 
Verse 45 starts a nice parable about a faithful and unfaithful slave. I think the King James Version translates slave as servant. <laughs> that's fucking oh, that's nice. a servant. Like they're fucking paying these guys. Uh, who then is the faithful and wise slave whom his master has put in charge of his household to give the other slaves their allowance of food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master will find at work when he arrives. Truly, I tell you, he will put that one in charge of all his possessions. But if that wicked slave says to himself, My master is delayed, and he begins to beat his fellow slaves and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour that he does not know. He will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, how do you gnash your teeth, by the way? I've, I've been trying to do that. I've just had to go to the dentist more now. You can't gnash your teeth? I don't know how. I love here that Jesus gives a parable about slavery without mentioning any moral problems with owning other people. Nope. Just blessed is the slave who's a good slave and works hard, but the wicked slave is the one who says, my master is delayed and starts uh, kicking the other slave's asses. I I also wonder what the place of the hypocrites is. (laughs) Is that like part of town or something? Yeah, right. Are they all in pieces? It's just a place where you cut a bunch of people up and put them in a... Oh, God, it's like a pile. Like You show up, and you're like, where do I put this? And they're like, what do you, what do you got there? Hypocrite? Over there. Just <laughs> against the wall. I've Did you brought... cut them in pieces first? Okay, good. Yeah, brought more fine. hypocrite pieces for you. Notice, too, that um, the whole point of the parable is that people are getting a little antsy now because it's been about 50 years after Jesus died. You keep telling us he's coming back. But I don't see any Jesus anywhere. So now he's saying, well, you know, I'm just delaying my second coming because I, I want you guys to uh, be assholes and start punching each other in the face and eating and drinking with dunk- drunkards. Then I'm going to fucking come back. Oh, when does that start? Is that started? I think it started. This generation. That's when it started. Sweet. Looking forward to it. So uh, in chapter 25, Jesus tells a bunch of parables, including this one. This is a great parable because... This had to be some early oral tradition. I don't think this would have been put in later. So I'll read it to you. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. <laughs> it's nice to Very visit nice. people in prison. It is. The righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that you saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? Yeah, you'd think you'd remember that one. You'd think you would. Naked Jesus. But it's a trick. And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Uh-huh. And then, you know, the opposite for the people who didn't, you know. Right. Uh, you that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. You believe he was naked and they didn't give him any clothing? What assholes. So, this one is the parable of the sheep and the goats. Yes. Ah. Uh, So, notice, though, that uh, unlike, say, in Paul, where it's all about you got to believe in Jesus, that he was crucified, that that he uh, came back on the third day, and and blah, blah, blah. It's all about beliefs. It's not about any of the stuff that you do. This, God could fucking, couldn't care less what you believe. It's all about what you did, right? You don't even have to be a Christian if you were nice to people, you'll go to heaven. What? So that's got to be an early tradition, uh, because it doesn't seem likely that later on a Christian would add that, right? You don't have to be a Christian, just right. do nice stuff, you'll go to heaven. Like an atheist could have, right? They could go right to heaven, just that's if they're nice. That's what the Pope nice. said. Well, fuck the Pope, we know that's not true. <laughs> because uh, one of his like cardinals the- said no. I like the parable of the ten virgins. Oh, yeah? Yeah. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. That is some kind of a metaphor, I believe. Five of them were foolish, Chuck, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil. The wise ones, however, took oil with their lamps. What oh, the fuck my good <laughs> is a lamp without any oil? 
right. I totally agree with that. Did you bring your lamps? Did you bring your lamps? Yes. Oh, I got yes. my lamps all right. <laughs> I got my lamps. Did you bring oil? No. You didn't say bring oil. You just said bring lamps. Fool, depart from me. Go to the oh. hell of fire. I'm one of those who don't understand the parables of Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that why he said him in parables? <laughs> I wouldn't know what the hell he was talking about. Yes. You need to be prepared, Matt. Bring both your car and some gas for it. Don't just bring your car. Very well. In chapter 26, we have uh, this nice story. This, this is one of my favorites in Matthew. Now, while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment, and she poured it on his head as she sat at the table. <laughs> what the fuck? But when the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, Why this waste? For this ointment could have been sold for a large sum and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? She's performed a good service for me, for you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. But pouring this... <laughs> I love that. <laughs> what a dick. He goes around, he, he fucking tells people to give away all their possessions and give the money to the poor, but, you know, you got this fucking jar of, of, of extremely expensive ointment. Oh, no, bring it over here. Fucking put it on my head. That'll help. Oh, it's it's like the dumping of the Gatorade. She just came up behind him. <laughs> oh, hey, thanks. The poor you will always have with you. Uh, By pouring this ointment on my body, she's prepared me for burial. So that's at least four times he's referencing his death. Asshole. They're not paying attention. They're still they're still thinking like I, I'm pretty sure we could have sold that. <laughs> God, our master's a dick. He's kind of an ass. What? A what did he just say? I don't know. I missed the last part. <laughs> <laughs> what a hypocrite! Uh, then they go on to have the Last Supper. Jesus again predicts his b- betrayal, death. And uh, as a, as a extra bonus, Peter's denials. Right, you're gonna right. deny me three times before the cock crows. Uh, Jesus goes into Gethsemane, and 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 here we're we're essentially almost exactly following Mark's passion account. So Jesus prays three times in Gethsemane, uh, of you know, to himself in the hopes that he'll take the cup away from himself. Right. Right. But of course, he refuses himself. So Judas betrays him, and one of those with Jesus put his hand on his sword, drew it, and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, in this uh, gospel, Jesus doesn't heal the slave, but just says, put your sword back into its place, for all those who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? Isn't that what uh, Satan tempted him earlier? I thought so. But how then will the scriptures be fulfilled which say it must happen this way? So, uh, Jesus is taken before the high priest, asked if he was the Messiah. Jesus answers, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Okay. So the high priest then tears his clothes like you do. You know, he just ripped the shit out of your clothes. Right. Uh, and says, he has blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? You have now heard his blasphemy. And, uh, Why? Well, you know, claiming that you're the Messiah isn't blasphemy. We know from Josephus that lots of people claim to be the Messiah. None of them were convicted of blasphemy by the Jews. They were all taken out by the Romans because <laughs> they were inciting riots and claiming to be the king of the Jews. Uh, but they weren't uh, tried by the Sanhedrin for blasphemy. So I'm not sure I wasn't, get that. Wasn't at this time claiming to be the Messiah and claiming to be the son of God the blasphemy? Uh, not, not claiming to be the Messiah, but claiming... Right. Remember, kings of of uh, Judah or Israel were adopted as the son of gods. They were, they were called the son of God. Jesus claims here to be the son of man. I suppose, perhaps, if, if the reference to the son of man, you know, is in Daniel uh, and coming on the clouds of, of, of heaven and the, the right hand of power, I suppose that could be construed as blasphemy. Yeah. So they just didn't like him. They were reaching. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, they're interpreting. The son of man just means that you're, uh, you know, a normal dude. I'm just like you. I'm a son of man. Now, what happened at the end of, in 67, verse 67? What do you got? Uh, I got it. They, they spit in his face, and they struck him with their fists, and then they said, prophecy to us, Messiahs. <laughs> Messiahs. Prophecy to us, Messiah. Who hit you? I just, I just love that. 
Why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? <laughs> They're punching him in the face, bit him. Hey, prophecy this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a loser Jesus is. Oh, I guess. In chapter 27, we have an account of Judas's suicide. When Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he repented and brought back 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. He said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Yeah, well, uh, Judas, what the fuck do you think was going to happen? Right, but he had to do it. It was foretold if he paid attention. Right, he's a good guy. Uh, but they said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. Throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury, since they are blood money. <laughs> right. Of course, we we did the whole fucking thing, but okay. After conferring together, they used them to buy the potter's field as a place to bury foreigners. For this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Okay. Now, Matt, compare that to Acts uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 19. Now, this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. So, actually, in that one, Judas bought the field. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. Oh! This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem, so the field was called in their language, Hakaldama, that is, field of blood. Hakaldama. So, uh, in Matthew, we have the chief priest buying the field and calling it the field of blood because it was purchased by blood money or because it was a, a field place used to bury foreigners, I guess. Right. <laughs> Bloody foreigners. And in Acts, we have Judas himself buying the field and uh, not hanging himself, but falling headlong, apparently freaking hitting a big rock and bursting open in the middle and having his bowels gush out. Uh, and then the field of blood was, was, that's why it was called the field of blood. So actually scholars, there, there is a, a field near Jerusalem and I believe it's still called the field of blood. Um, but if you look at it, the ground is made up of a red clay. So ah, that's probably why it was called the field of blood. But, you know, Matthew or Luke, the authors of Matthew and Luke, have to come up with, uh, again, they know that there's a field called the field of blood, and so they, they tie it to this whole thing, and they want to explain that, I guess. Well, you got to use that. Sounds great. Uh, Jesus is brought before Pilate and interrogated, because, you know, Pilate really cares about the people under his charge, and he really wants to make sure that he doesn't condemn an innocent man. Like, fuck you. Right. <laughs> fuck you. If he's being accused of, of being a... Uh, revolutionary. He's going to instantly get crucified. Anyway, uh, Jesus only answers, you say so, to his questions about being the king of the Jews. Uh, so Pilate asks the crowd whether they want Barabbas or Jesus released. And the crowd says, Barabbas, give us Barabbas. What? What we've the got, fuck, crowd? We've got this detail unique to Matthew in verse 19. While uh, Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that innocent man, for today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Yeah? What? So apparently Pilate's wife had a, a dream about Jesus being innocent, and she sent word to Pilate, as you know, as you do, you have dreams about, you know, the Messiah, and so you have to send word to your husband not to crucify him. So Pilate and doesn't want to crucify Jesus, right? But the crowd insists and begins to riot. So, Pilate's scared of, of the crowd rioting. You know what You know what Pilate did in Josephus when crowds began to riot? He, had, he, he gave them bread. He had no. his soldiers dress up as Jews, get out of their armor, dress up as Jews, and carry knives, mingle themselves in the crowd, and just start fucking stabbing people. That's that, what Pilate did. Whoa! So don't tell me Pilate's fucking scared of a riot. Pilate washes his hands with water and says... I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Then the people as a whole answered, His blood be on us and on our children. So that, that detail, by the way, is that, that blood cry, blood oath, is unique to Matthew right. as well. That's immaterial. And that sets up all of the Jews as responsible for Jesus' death and leads to you know massive amounts of persecution going down through the ages. Thanks, and Matthew. Mel Gibson. And Mel Gibson. <laughs> and Mel Gibson, culminating in the passion of the Christ. Right. Oh, and what did Barabbas get to do? He just got to leave? Dude, he just... got off scot-free. Thank you. Off. Thanks, Pilate. Okay. Yeah. So Jesus gets crucified. Uh, it is in Mark. Everyone's taunting Jesus, right? Even the two bandits. I love it. The bandits who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. <laughs> I can't 
you imagine you fucking on the cross? Ha ha, fucker! <laughs> Way to get crucified, dick! <laughs> <laughs> what a loser! Starting uh, in verse 45, we get some details surrounding uh, Jesus' death. Uh, from noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. At once, they, uh, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink. <laughs> oh, here, here's some sour wine, asshole. <laughs> but the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come save him. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks were split, the tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. So, Elijah didn't come and save them? No. Instead, lots of zombies were roaming around Jerusalem eating brains. Good times. I love, I love how zombies are just walking all around Jerusalem. Appeared to many, and we get no fucking record of this outside of Matthew. Not even in the other Gospels do zombies rise up and walk around <laughs> Jerusalem. Well, that sounds crazy, Chuck. Nobody would repeat that. You'd, <laughs> you'd think somebody somewhere would have mentioned dead people en masse walking around Jerusalem. Uh, nope. So, yeah, we got darkness, death, earthquakes, temple veil torn in two, lots of zombies walking around Jerusalem, and no reports from any other ancient author, including the fucking anyone in the New Testament, uh, saying anything about any of these details. So, awesome. By the way, the temple veil torn in two, that little detail probably came after the uh, uh, destruction of the temple by the Romans. I believe either Vespasian or Titus uh, came in, in their triumph paraded all this shit around, all the spoils from Jerusalem, including the temple veil uh, that was torn in two. So, Jesus' body is picked up by Joseph of Arimathea, who's been transformed from a prominent member of the council in Mark to a disciple of Jesus in Matthew. Uh, The chief priests place guards at Jesus' tomb to prevent his disciples from stealing the body, and that detail is again only found in Matthew, not in any of the other three Gospels. And then, uh, unlike in Mark, where Mary Magdalene Mary, the mother of James, and Salome approach and find the stone already rolled away and a young man inside. In Matthew, we've got this. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee, for there you will see him. This is my message for you. So he told them over and over, and right. then he, an angel still had to come. These women are coming now to anoint his body and, and prepare it for burial, which, as we've discussed, uh, never would have happened anyway. Jesus' body would have either been left up on the cross to get eaten by dogs as a warning to other people, or uh, given the impending uh, Sabbath and Passover, would have been taken down, and he would have been buried in the uh, graveyard of the condemned in a shallow grave. Yeah, so they're coming, in, and in Mark, this, they, they approach and find the stone already rolled away. In Matthew, they witness this event, right? Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And then, of course, uh, Jesus actually appears to them in Matthew. Um, they left the tomb quickly uh, with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples, unlike in Mark where they, you know, were really afraid and they didn't tell anybody. Matthew likes to embellish a little bit, I think. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit, from a young man inside the tomb to a fucking angel descending from heaven. Awesome. Uh, suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! <laughs> <laughs> it's me! What's up, fuckers? I'm back, baby! <laughs> Um, you know, he was up in heaven for like two days, three days, whatever. And he's like, what is their fucking problem? How many times did I, uh, fucking Michael, could you go down and. (laughs) 
How many fucking times? And they act like I didn't say anything. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, where there they will see me. Um, that's important when we come to Luke, right? So uh, we get this story about the guards getting paid off by the chief priests to lie about what they saw. You must say, His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Yeah, right. <clears throat> because leaving your post is, uh, they're going to fucking get crucified. Oh, but don't worry, we'll pay you a bunch of money and we'll talk to Pilate for you. So they took the money and did as they were directed, and this story is still told among the Jews to this day. Gee, I wonder why Matthew added that detail. <laughs> mm. Hmm. And the gospel ends with this. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded to you. And remember, I am with you always, to the end of the age. So it's just like the Force. Oh, it is. He's Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> remember that uh, trip to Galilee when we get to Luke uh, in a couple podcasts from now. Okay. I will remember that, possibly. Excellent. Uh, and that so ends Matthew, the second gospel. I think... But wait, what about the doubters? There were doubters? They worshipped him, but some doubted. Yes. What? Who would doubt? My doubt's gone. He died, and then he came back, and there he is. There is no longer any reason to doubt. Right. But when some they saw did. him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. <laughs> I'm not sure that's Jesus. It's just weird that that's just stuck in there. And then <laughs> and then it just goes on. Yeah, some doubted. And some doubted. <laughs> but fuck those guys. Anyway. <laughs> some doubted because uh, Jesus was suddenly white and not Jewish anymore. <laughs> right. He shaved. He had a short haircut. And he said, I've got to go to America. He came back as Mormon Jesus. <laughs> what is that, Jesus? Oh, it's you'll find out later. It's not for you. Give it a couple thousand years. So, yeah, I think we're going to talk about fallacies uh, next time. Fallacies. Fallacies. Fa fallacies. Oh, fallacies. Join us for that. Got excited there for a second. Awesome. Here. Here.